As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Shamrock presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of the Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. Matt, how are you? Well, how, how, what? I think it's Monday. Um, how is your Monday going? I took a red eye from Portland, snuck in about two hours, woke up to the initial report from our colleague Bruce Feldman um, that Brian Kelly and LSU. I had some interest, and when I thought that portion of the day was done, I finally tried to be a good husband and father, and we went out for pizza, and we were going to get our Christmas tree, and the minute we sat down after we ordered, uh, the news broke, and I was like, honey, we got to get this to go, and I lied to my kid and said the Christmas tree outlet closed early tonight, and we'll have to go another day, Um, and I've been on the phone and talking to you ever since, so um, look, I this is like out of character for me to say. Maybe I'm just really, really naive, much more naive than I ever thought I'd be. I had no freaking clue that this was coming. Like there was not like completely blindsided me, completely blindsided. I think everyone, at least everyone I've talked to around the Notre Dame football program tonight, I'm sure with you as well. Um, you know, we, we spent a lot of oxygen on this podcast uh, in recent weeks talking about USC and the denials. And while I never really thought Brian Kelly was going to USC, I could at least like envision that fit. I could see why he could be tempted by that. I could see why he might use that as leverage to get more out of Notre Dame. I could definitely see why USC wanted him. Brian Kelly at LSU, um, probably the most cutthroat job there is in this country when, when, when you look at the fact that each of their last three head coaches won national titles and two of them got fired not long afterward. Um, wow. I mean, just, 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 wow. Uh, we, we could probably be up here all night talking this through, but it, 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 it is a shocker like no other. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally blown away. And it, it's, I think you and I are probably in, of like minds here. If you had told me, like, if you remove the, the rivalry aspect from it, if you had told me Brian Kelly was taking the USC job yes. a week ago, I would have been like, wow, shrewd move. 
but I but I get it. This one I think is a cultural disaster uh, waiting to happen for Brian Kelly down there. I don't think that he is interested in uh, the smoke that comes with a SEC West job at all. Um, but certainly the compensation, the facilities. Yes. Um, I don't think he probably remembers what it's like to recruit that kind of roster. Um, and the, I mean, we're talking about a job he's going into where the last head coach openly encouraged boosters to pay players. Not can that, do that long now. ago. Yeah. Which, which you can do that now, but that's not, that's not a world he lived in up here. Um, you know, it doesn't even get back to, you know, him talking about the fairy godmother quote from just last week or how, no, I'm not leaving Notre Dame of my own volition for another college job. Um, that's, that is all, that's all wild to me um, that you could, you could end up in that situation for one, that he would do it, that he would pull the ripcord on that. And that Notre Dame would sort of be left holding the bag a little bit. For me, in so many ways, it feels like this was a game of chicken that neither party knew how to get out of all of a sudden. Um, And do I think Brian Kelly is in love with the idea of going to LSU sort of like outside of the money? No. Um, And certainly Brian and Notre Dame is not in in love with the idea of its all time winningest coach. A coach that Jack Swarbrick has been on record about his goal is to make sure Brian Kelly can retire from Notre Dame. Well, I mean, that that is that's a, a failed goal at this point. Um, there's no other way around it that Notre Dame is sort of left here holding the bag. Not that they don't have candidates, but um, for a head coach to walk out on his program when they're still in the mix for the college football playoff, that I mean, that was when we were that talking earlier today. Freaking that, that was sort insane. of like the timing makes no sense. I mean, we're talking to people at Notre Dame. We're talking to people in the industry. It was like, okay, you know, Brian Kelly to LSU. I'm having a hard time getting over that mentally, but I, but I can't even, I can't fathom it when Notre Dame is sort of um, in the playoff hunt as they are right now. I mean, forget, I mean, at this point you can sort of trash anything Brian Kelly has ever said, um, including, I think we're one of the best four teams. Cause if you really felt that you wouldn't, walk away um but for for Notre Dame to lose its head coach when it's on the verge of making the playoff uh is just that absolutely floors me and I I don't I'll be curious to see how this plays out um with the Notre Dame fan base how quickly he goes to a villain around here I would think it will be at warp speed um and I think you know you and I both reported the message that he sent out to the team about his love being limitless and how proud he is of the team like also, by the way, make sure you're at the 7 a.m. meeting. Like <laughs> he's I he at this point, he couldn't come back if he wanted to. Um, and I think we're all waiting for the college football playoff meeting between Notre Dame and LSU sometime down the road. It's by the way, as you talk, um, Brian Clark, who I absolutely love on TV, don't know personally, just retweeted um, that he's an LSU graduate, uh, retweeted. Kelly's text to the team and said, our new coach people, exclamation point. So the reception <laughs> down in Baton Rouge will be interesting. Um, th- that's a good point though. And you know, this will probably have happened by the time most of you listen to this podcast. Do you think that 7 a.m. meeting happens? Like, is it allowed to happen? Is Brian um, Kelly going to get back in there and get in front of a hundred people who feel probably every spectrum of emotions right now? 
Some are probably happy he's gone. Most are probably pissed. There's going to be some level of betrayal felt from with everyone ver- there. With, I think, very little interference run from the staff, right? I mean, we're, we've both talked to assistant coaches who are out on the road recruiting, right? Like, that's, yeah. it's not like there are people there to translate BK to the roster. And, and Brian's flying back. Like, this isn't Lincoln Riley was bad, but Lincoln Riley woke up, went to the office, said, I'm gone and left. Yeah. Like, from a, you know, just a, a standpoint, uh, a step standpoint, that's easier to do. Now they're both not great situations, but like logistically speaking, like this is a lot different. Oh um, yeah. I just, the, the playoff part is just incredible to me. Like there are six teams alive for, to win a national championship, which is the number one goal of everyone who ever goes in their game. Like, I'm not saying they're probably going to do it, but like they could do it. It's December in a day, and they're still one of the teams eligible to do that, and he's leaving. And the other part, like, there's going to be – we're obviously, you know, efforting to, to get to the bottom of this, you know, as we speak and have been all night, and we'll have something sooner rather than later on how this came to be. But there's going to be a lot of, a lot of leaks from both sides – trashing the other about why this couldn't work because on the surface, there is no freaking way this should have ever happened. No, like something it's a, that it's we a, all missed allowed this to happen. I don't know if it's a relationship between the coach and administration. I don't know if I don't think it's money. Brody Miller, Brody Miller, our LC reporter and I both reported the, the contract. It, I mean, look, it's a nine figure deal. I'm not going to say it's, it's not a lot of money. It's not that much more than what he's making right now at Notre Dame. And like my first reaction when I got the sense this could be happening today was going back to Brian Kelly's quote last week about maybe if I had a fairy godmother, $250 million deal, because that's the way they operate in the SEC. And quite frankly, it would be kind of poetic that both him and Lincoln Riley on back-to-back days leave for jobs while not exactly lying because they just weren't asked the direct appropriate question. Lincoln Riley said, I'm not going to be the next LSU coach. Next question. He didn't lie. That that was a a chestnut checkers move. Brian Kelly saying, I would be open to it for $250 million. I wouldn't put it past LSU to do that. It's not that. It's it's less than 100 before incentives kick in, which again, nice chunk of change. This is not a move you make because of the money. No. Um, So we need to get to the bottom of why you do make this move. And again, like, Everyone we and you have both talked to tonight is every bit as shocked, if not more than we are. I, I spoke to a guy close to Brian Kelly tonight at Notre Dame. And he said, and I quote, in the end, I personally felt like his legacy at Notre Dame was going to be too important for him to do this, but it is what it is. This is life we choose, end quote. And yeah, I mean, it, it, that, that kind of sums it up. Um, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about how he has been like, especially when he had the wins record this year, you know, we wrote multiple stories. We spoke about this a lot on podcasts. We've spoken to players and assistant coaches about him. And there's a reason we always ask what Brian Kelly is like. He is as distant a public figure in that role Mm -hmm. as you can possibly be. And in many ways it's admirable. And I credit him for it because nine out of 10 coaches go to a job like Notre Dame or LSU or wherever and they get eaten alive because they worry about shit that doesn't matter. And Kelly always kept the main thing, the main thing. He, I wouldn't say single-handedly, but boy, did he 
build the hell out of this program. Yeah. To the point where, you know, timing sucks, but this isn't like, oh my God, who, who's going to ever replace Brian Kelly? They're going to have good options. And there are a lot of people um, who would walk to this job right now. It's set up to win 10 games a year like that. Um, but again, this, this goes back to in many ways, what we have said again, and again, is like the guy's a bit of a public mystery. Like we don't know what his wants are. We don't know what his needs are. And apparently the people whose jobs it is to, to know those things didn't know it either. Otherwise he'd probably still be at Notre Dame right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it all, it does feel very, um, it's a very mercenary kind of move on his part. Um, but I do think like it goes back to when he was interviewing with the Eagles in 2012, like he went so underground. I mean, remember talking to assistants and people at Notre Dame was like, we don't know what's going on. Um, he kept everyone in the dark. The, the only person that knows what Brian Kelly's thinking is Brian Kelly and, and maybe Pocky Kelly. And that's about it. Um, but I, I'm with you. I thought that for a guy whose name is on the indoor of the practice facility that was built just a couple of years ago as a donor for it, for a guy that built a house a block from the front gates of Notre Dame, whose daughter goes to school there, um, that he had this job sort of set up exactly the way he wanted it. To me, that was the reason why he was never going to leave is that this job was too comfortable for him. Um, And there are, look, I'm sure that you hear from people like this too, that felt like that was a, that's a negative Um, that this, if you're going to win at the highest level, you need to burn yourself out Mm -hmm. in the process. Brian Kelly figured out a way to not do that, but you could also argue he's not one at the highest level. Um, And I think it's fair to say, look, the reason they've won 42 straight games against unranked competition is the same reason they got blown out by Clemson and Alabama on the college football playoff is because their talent is not like the teams at the top, but it's better than everybody else's. Um, that's so that that's all part of it. Um, but I think the legacy question is, I mean, to, to throw that away uh, is shocking to me. Uh, he's, 60, when, he's 60. Like you can't, you don't, uh, have, you, a 10 you don't have enough deal? time in life to build that back elsewhere. Like, yeah, no. Crazy. I mean, it's like you go to LSU and you're going to get, I mean, I realize people only care about winning, but you're going to go to a place like LSU and, you know, there's, you're going to dig up the the stories, you know, the, the early days of Brian Kelly, the tyrant, like that's who he's going to have to become again. He can't be Brian Kelly laid back facilitator at LSU and win. That's not going to work. He's going to have to go back to red face, Brian Kelly because he has to change an entire culture around, which I'm not sure he is capable of doing. Um, you know, as Chuck Martin told me, he's the best off the field coach in America. This is this is the biggest off the field challenge in America at LSU with what you're the pool you're recruiting in, the state you're in. You're an Irish Catholic from Boston. Um, man, I just can't think of a worse cultural fit than Brian Kelly for that job. But he has won everywhere he's been eventually. But it's a, it gets back to the, well, how much longer is eventually? You know, he's talked about how he doesn't want to coach much longer. So is this just sort of a money grab on the way out of town? Man, that is an expensive, that is still a very expensive way to sell your legacy down the river with Notre Dame. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yeah, I mean, how many times during those speeches or press conferences has he used the word alignment? Yeah. If that's true, you're not going to LSU right now. And that's what, like, I'm curious your opinion on this, like, because we both have heard quite a bit about his relationship with Jack Swarbrick, and I'm not sure what is narrative and what is truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we both sort of heard some tension between them. I've also heard from somebody tonight who's more on the Notre Dame side that that is fiction, um, that they, that there was not a relationship problem. However, if you ghost your boss on the day you're taking a new job, that does not speak to the strength of that relationship. I mean, how like how much alignment do we think there actually was? It's a good question. I mean, that's probably the biggest question, right? In the the aftermath of this, as we try to piece everything together, um, obviously a lot less than he said, a lot less than we were led to believe. Um, I don't know. I mean, that 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 that's my biggest question, right? Like, I'm not. I think you use the phrase "cultural disaster." Uh, I agree. It's it's going to be really weird to see like Brian Kelly wearing a purple and gold LSU hat next fall. But did he say go Tigers to like on the broad, the broadcast? I don't think he can say go that. Go Tigers. Like the way yeah. he says Virginia. Um, <laughs> he stinker. I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not underestimating the off the field challenges that come with LSU, but I'm not, I'm not worried about him in that regard. I think he'll figure it out again. He's had a plan everywhere he's gone. And even if it hasn't always been pretty or efficient at times, eventually he gets that done. I think he'll get it done there. I think with him, you're going to have to hire some people you've never worked before who know the lay of the land down there. Um, and everyone listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt, go <laughs> on. You have not had to do that at Notre Dame. You've not had to do that at Cincinnati, at Central Michigan, at Grand Valley State. Uh, for the most part, Brian Kelly has been able to out-scheme and out-game plan everyone he's faced. And that was like, that's his biggest strength. But as we've seen, you know, when you get to a certain level, as Notre Dame did under him, that's also your your biggest shortcoming because you can't out-scheme Clemson and Alabama. No, as we've seen, right? Over the field. So he's going to have to get the players. I'm sure he'll figure out a way to do that. I'm frankly, I, I think he'll be fine off the field. He's part of this too is Scott Woodward. And I don't know him personally, but he has a well-worn rep in this industry, the LSU athletic director. When you look at that guy's resume everywhere he's been, he just got Kim Mulkey to live, leave Baylor for LSU who won multiple national championships at Baylor. I believe I was actually reading a story on her this morning before the Kelly stuff broke. Um, there was some stat in there about how she was the first person to have an X number of winning percentage somewhere for 10 years to take another job voluntarily. 
Brian Kelly's now the equivalent of that in football. And Scott Woodward just got him to go to LSU. He got Chris Peterson to go to Washington when no one thought he would ever leave Boise State. Mm-hmm. He got Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. He got Buzz Williams at Texas A&M. Um, the guy has deep pockets. He's a big game hunter. He has a he's a very political savvy guy, and people close to Brian Kelly have told me they will hit it off in that regard. They speak the same language, and it's easy to see how Scott Woodward wooed Brian Kelly during this process. Um, so I'm there's just so many more. Like I could see Brian Kelly being fine with Scott Woodward. I could see him being fine with hiring a staff and setting up an organization the way he wants to. There's just so much. There's so many landmines in that state. Like, I'm not sure there's a state, I mean, Alabama, but Alabama has Auburn as well. I'm not sure there's a state that collectively is as invested in one program, one elite program, and has so many people interfering with it um, and has managed to be successful in spite of all that, the way LSU is. Like, Texas is similar, but Texas also has a lot of other programs in the state, and Texas hasn't won anything in the last decade. Um, LSU is the bluest of blue bloods. It's probably a top five job. I, I get why it's attractive to nine out of 10 coaches. I just did not see that happening with Brian Kelly. And I mean, you know, it's crazy. I mean, right. Like yesterday, USC hires Lincoln Riley. And that was like the jaw dropper of all jaw, jaw droppers. Like first, like 16 like, hours. But like, I never <clears throat> seen anything like that. Jimbo Fisher going to Texas A&M was similar, but like Jimbo wanted out for a while. He was flirting with LSU for years you knew that Woodward was trying to hire him at AM, like, you know, the Christmas tree thing on the lawn, which we haven't gotten one of those yet from Brian Kelly, although I'm sure there'll be some ghastly images on and off campus in South Bend tomorrow morning. Um, we haven't gotten that yet, but the Riley thing was just incredible, especially since he almost won a conference title or conference, uh, clinch a spot in a conference title game hours earlier was four right. points away from doing that. And if he did that, I don't think he's USC's head coach right now or, or, or ever. And I was like, wow, like that's where a lot of the Brian Kelly smoke came from. Like they have the same agent, like USC obviously was swinging really big. They want to make a splash. They didn't want to hire who, Oh, this guy's one in a smaller level. Let's see if he can do it here. It's like, no USC right now just commanded the attention of everyone, including our name for 12 hours or so while Brian Kelly was still there as a major player on the national landscape. LSU getting Brian Kelly from Notre Dame is even more shocking. Like we live in a world where oh, yeah. in the last, in the no, last, there's no question in the last 48 hours though. Like how <clears throat> crazy is that? The head coach, the very, very, very successful, the multi-playoff appearance coaches at Oklahoma and Notre freaking Dame just voluntarily left their jobs for elsewhere. Like that, that, that just doesn't happen ever. And it just happened twice in back-to-back days. Yeah. Like I, I just this was the craziest carousel probably ever before any of that happened. Now, holy cow, like it's just it's insane. It is, yeah, it's wild. And I I mean, I agree. It's as shocking as the Riley to USC thing was, and it was it was shocking. Um, this this is at a completely different level. Um you know, this is there's no there's the SEC dynamic here was actually working in Notre Dame's favor here. Like, I don't think there's a lot of coaches that want to jump in an SEC snake pit. Um, I mean, you know, by, by, l- speaking of that, not quite, 
I, the report comes out this morning. My first flashback is to this time last year. Marcus Freeman is going to LSU, right? which did look like it was going to happen. Notre Dame folks thought they lost him there for a bit. Yes. But that was my thinking. Now, Notre Dame didn't have a Brian Kelly to re- recruit back Brian Kelly, but they had Notre Dame and everything he'd built there over the last 12 years. And I thought, Correct. all right, this will be the, the kick in the ass that whoever's holding up whatever Brian Kelly wants, needs to yeah. push – facilities or whatever it is through and that will be that i mean there were very let's say i want to get into facilities because that that is that is a bit of a narrative uh pushback you know i think there are people around notre dame that think their facilities are are just fine you know indoor is three years old i believe um the goog opened in 2005 um I have not seen a lot of other facilities other than like a quick trip to USF and Vanderbilt. So not really a lot to compare them to. Um, But what Notre Dame lacks absolutely is adequate training table facility. They lack uh, much academic space in the Goog. You'll see players that Jack Swerbrick or coaches have to step over while they're studying in the hallway. Recovery space is very limited. Um, when they put in float pods, I believe the 2018 mm-hmm. season, they just wedged them into the training room in the Goog. Um, it was not a very forward thinking brick and mortar space. Um, Brian Kelly really wanted and has wanted for years them to expand it, to connect the indoor facility to the existing facility and, and round out some of these failings of the facility. Still. Notre Dame, what they want, how many games have they won the last five years with this? And I, I realize Notre Dame's coaches want more of it. Notre Dame certainly had the facilities to win, evidenced by the fact that they had been winning. So here, here's where I, I'll disagree with you a little bit. Um, I've been to, let's see, every ACC school there in Virginia Tech. I've been to a lot of places. The indoor was so far overdue, and they finally did get it, and it's very nice, but that was so far overdue. Correct. I mean, to the point where, like, players couldn't go to work out on their own time. That, I mean, their indoor felt like they, pra- they were practicing in a Costco. It was awful. Uh, that was nice that they got that done and that they, you know, at least from the time they announced it to the time they actually built it was really quick. The Goog, the Goog relative to a major Power 5 program is T- absolutely terrible in 20, 2021. Okay. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, you, I just, you know, way more about this than I, I would, because you've seen I'm, these other places. And I've, I've talked about this with coaches. I talked to one tonight who said, yeah, we've, we're getting killed in recruiting with this. They go to Oklahoma, Alabama, hell, like ACC, Wake Forest blows them out of the water. Um, North Carolina blows them out of the water. Um, NC States are nice. Like there's, I've been to like Minnesota, Purdue, Northwestern, like Northwestern, right? Like, no one's ever going to accuse them of caring too much about athletics. They have a $270 million building overlooking Lake Michigan, which I know you can't recreate the geography of that, but Purdue's damn near done it without the view. Like I'm every time I go somewhere else around the country and I come back to the group Goog, I ask myself and I, I know it's Notre Dame. I know they have a lot more to offer than just that. And I know the game day environment and the stadium itself is not insignificant when selling the Notre Dame experience to a prospect. But anytime I go anywhere else and I go to the Goog, I just ask myself, like, how the hell do the Tommy Reese's, Mike Ellison's, Marcus Freeman's, Brian Pullings of the world spin this to guys who are coming from elsewhere? Like places that in the SEC are winning, but not in the SEC 
are not winning as much as Notre Dame, but still manage to find time for all the shiny new toys that Notre Dame lacks. And I'm not saying you need, uh, you know, a bowling alley or, or, or you know, something. Just Arbor shop. Extreme. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying you need all that, but, you know, Clemson was at the forefront of concussion research and recovery with some of the stuff they were doing. Um, I haven't been to Kentucky or Nebraska's. I've heard they're two of the nicest in the country. Um, Nebraska, I can get. Kentucky, I can't. Not at a basketball school. I don't care if it's yep. the SEC. Like, I just think, and I'm, I'm not, uh, when it comes to sports science, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know what I don't know, but like, it's very easy to be impressed by some places and, and not by others. Um, I, I just wonder why a place like Notre Dame that cares about a lot more than football couldn't have made better efforts to kind of meld the two together and present that in a fashion that really won over a prospect. Cause yeah. again, the, the goog to me is so underwhelming. Well, and it's, I mean, I, I can just sort of speak to it from a personnel standpoint with, I mean, how much has been written about Amber Selking and the mental performance piece that has been implemented at Notre Dame over the last five years, Brian Kelly had to push to make that happen. He had to pay to make it happen. Um, and that, that to me is, that's a real failure. I think on Notre Dame's part to sort of like see around corners and be like, all right, this is where this sport is going. We need to invest in that. And like, it, it is kind of one of those things where like either you want to play in the sandbox or you don't. Um, Notre Dame has a great stadium, great game day atmosphere. I mean, the degree is a real thing. Um, you know, the tradition is a real thing. These are, these are all important parts that are distinctions at Notre Dame, but there's no reason especially when it comes to financials, like this place is in as a golden dome for a reason as endowment in the billions. Like those, those things are real. Notre Dame can afford to invest as much as it wants to. And this is kind of one of the things we've talked about. Like Notre Dame can do this stuff and still be Notre Dame. Like, I, I think it's much easier for Notre Dame to like build a $100 million addition to the Goog than it is to say, all right, freshmen can live off campus. Like, I think it's easier to like build out a mental performance staff and a training table than it is for Notre Dame to be like, um, you know, we can just skip the mass entirely. You know, there are parts of Notre Dame that are non-negotiable, but there are so many that just require Notre Dame to bite hard and invest. And they have not got there with so many of them. I completely agree. I mean, there's I mean, always do, a, do we have to do we have to talk more about private travel for coordinators on oh yeah, recruiting? We didn't get to that. And believe me, the the way these guys have been traveling the last 48 hours and the way they found out that their boss was leaving. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of drinks being had mm -hmm. by uh, adult guys in Notre Dame track gear alone at Marriott Hotel bars as we speak right now. I can a thousand percent guarantee you that. Um, and we've heard from several of them. There's always a healthy I wouldn't say healthy. There, there's always a, a push and pull in Notre Dame. I, I think you just you know, basically said that. You also said before, like Notre Dame had won kind of without all that stuff. And, you know, we've said many times, and Brian Kelly and Jack Swarbrick have said many times about what a healthy place this program is. And they're in as healthy of a place as they have ever been. And they've won 10 straight games or 10 games or more for five years in a row. It's the wingiest five year stretch in program history. And I never, obviously this was happening behind the scenes, but I, th there were not because they were winning and because they were winning the way they were winning without a whole lot of 
off-field drama, at least relative to the early Kelly years. Like it seemed like tensions had calmed. Everyone was in a good place on campus and in the athletic department. And I just thought, and again, I don't know the inner workings of who asked for what or why they got some things, but not the others. But I just felt like now's the time. Like you're, you're proving that you can win big and represent the program in the right way and keep everyone happy, both academically and athletically. Like Notre Dame football has earned the right to say, we need this. Like, yeah. like, like, and we need it now. Right. And I there, don't there know. was not an appetite from the administration for that. I mean, it's like, which is crazy because like you said, like the like <clears throat> staff salaries are as good as anyone. Brian Kelly's not leaving for money. Yeah. Like I if mean, they got into bidding, like they got into bidding war yeah. last year for Marcus Freeman, they won it. Like, right. They, they're not hurting for money and they're no. not afraid to spend market value um, to keep their talent. The fact that there was, I mean, we're, as we sort of talk about the, the Goog enhancements, um, the fact that there was reluctance at the VP level at Notre Dame for that right now, after going double digit win after double digit win after double digit win, two trips to the playoff. And the reluctance was like, oh, you know, I, I think that would look bad for the university. What, you know, what looks bad? You know, what looks bad for the university, Matt? Losing the. Winningest coach in the history of your program. Yeah, where you're, when your AD has been on record, like it's my goal to make sure he retires from Notre Dame, and he just packed up and left. While well, your team is on the verge of going to the playoff, potentially, that's what looks bad. Um, so it's like I'll be curious. There needs to be some soul searching from Notre Dame on this issue. Yes, Jack Swarbrick will not do it publicly. Um, I think his stance consistently over the years has been like we have what we need to win, and then. A few months later, you sort of see the investment in these things that Notre Dame needed to win that didn't ha- that they didn't have. Um, will that happen again? I don't know. Um, it needs to, but it probably doesn't need to to attract and land a very high quality head coach to replace Brian Kelly. So, I mean, if you're if you're a Swarbrick here, who is who is your choice? Who do you hire to replace Brian Kelly? Well. He hasn't even named an interim head coach yet tonight, which I'm not saying you need to do. Well, you don't need to do it publicly because nothing's official yet, but they haven't done it internally yet either. There's obviously a lot of chatter about Marcus Freeman. I think there are important people at that school that would be willing to make that happen. Under normal circumstances, I would say no. I don't think this is a job you learn on as we – I mean. <laughs> We just kind of laid bare all the, the trap trappings of this place, right? Like Brian freaking Kelly couldn't navigate it all after 12 years. A guy who's never been a head coach in his life probably isn't going to do it. But I think, you know, it, you have that soul searching discussion that you said, you look at yourself in the mirror and you ask yourself, what do you want Notre Dame football to be? Cause I, I've been on record on the show multiple times, especially last year when they were really good, but not great. I thought like, this is probably like, a healthy place where most of the decision makers want to be. Like, I don't think they frankly don't think they have the stomach to do whatever it is else he was doing, whatever it is, Alabama, Clemson, like Ohio state. Like I, I don't think, and we've seen like with, you know, pretty simple things like uh, facility additions. I think they're very, very happy to win 10 games or so a year um, and give the illusion that they were competing for national championships, even though realistically speaking, 
they probably weren't. Um, and even, you know, I, I did a story with, um, colleagues, David Ubbin and Nicole Arbach about a month ago when we did our, uh, week looking at the coaching carousel, which has proven to be quite prescient. And we surveyed, <laughs> you know, 60 something coaches in the country on toughest jobs and, uh, Notre Dame did not come up in any of them and had some feedback from just fans and, and readers who said, you know, I'm surprised I thought Notre Dame would be there. And you know, I talked to people who had worked at Notre Dame for that story, who had given me information and, you know, the, the common theme was like, at, at least right. Like as of six hours ago, when Brian Kelly was there, the place was kind of on autopilot. Yep. Say at LSU where you could win it all next year and you could be on the hot seat less than two years later. Like there was a happy medium there that you can look reasonable minds can disagree on whether they should have pushed for more or not. Um, but I think you have to understand what's this job going to be, because I think it's, I think this place is set up through Brian Kelly's work to be very attractive and to win um, 10 games or so immediately. But if you want to take that next step, you're going to have to really have that dialogue about what we need to do to get there and why we didn't get there. And are we comfortable doing what we can to get there? Because that's going to be for, for qualified candidates, at least who are in healthy spots. I want to say qualified candidates for, for elite candidates who are head coaches elsewhere and might not want to leave their current jobs. That's going to be at the forefront. Everything looks to be good here on the surface and the winningest coach in history just left and it wasn't exactly for money. So what, what are we missing here? Right. So I think the timing works in Freeman's favor for the simple fact that less than a week from now, Notre Dame could be preparing for a playoff game. And it's a lot easier to do that with the current staff <laughs> than it is to be conducting a national coaching search. Um to wait for Luke Fickle to maybe lose. And right. I, I can't see that one play. Like I just, <clears throat> I think Luke Fickle, it would be an excellent hire. What do I know? Brian Kelly just left and, and <laughs> might, might've left a playoff team too, but I, I and you know, they've hired a Cincinnati coach in similar situations before, but coaches, that one is just really like, if you game that out, right? Like the playoffs, not till what December 30th, 31st around there. I believe it's 31st. If you're Notre Dame, and let's say you're not in the playoff, or you are, either way, you're still conducting a search, and everyone else has finished up their search. I mean, Oklahoma's still open. There are a lot of big jobs still open, and that will become open once the other ones get filled. Um, like, Luke Fickle cannot coach his team and prepare his team. Cincinnati, a group of five team. Like, this is not – I know they're going to be in the Big 12, and they'll probably have more opportunities, but, like, this isn't, like, Alabama just losing an assistant – every year and replacing him like this is the greatest moment in this university's history and luke fickle is the most low-key like distractionless guy there is he he's not going to be preparing weeks and weeks and weeks for georgia or whomever with the specter of this hanging over he's going to nip it in the butt immediately or he's going to have to leave immediately if there's legitimacy to his interest in Notre Dame. like that's just, it's just not going to Play out that way. Yeah, the timing is terrible uh, with Fickle, who I think is, I'm with you, I, I think is excellent. Um, you know, spent a little bit of time with him for a story I did on Marcus Freeman earlier in the year. I was just very impressed about how normal he was. Um, it just, I don't know. He he seems like he would have the markings of like what you would want a Notre Dame coach to be like, Catholic, Midwest, all of that stuff. Um, 
you know, Mark, the Marcus Freeman stuff, I know that, you know, I've had some pushback about like, Hey, you know, Marcus is that you don't, don't get over out, out over your skis on Marcus. Um, but I do think that there are people at a high level at Notre Dame who are very intrigued by the possibility of being, um, Marcus Freeman being Notre Dame's next head coach without any head coaching experience, which again has never worked here. Um, but Notre Dame has never been in a position where it's been left by a head coach who won 50 plus games over five years and made the playoffs twice. Like this is as good of a Notre Dame's as an opening has never been as good as it is right now. This is the best Notre Dame opening of all time. Um, so do you roll the dice with somebody like Marcus Freeman, who you you're pretty sure is a really good coach, but you know, is a great, great recruiter. Um, I mean, it's my belief that Swarbrick is definitely aware that like recruiting is more and more and more important as part of the the success of a college football program. Now um, I get that fit is part of that, but raw talent is also a huge part of that. Um, Matt Campbell is interesting to me and has been for a while. Obviously his stock cooled quite a bit, but I think what he, you know, the, in totality, what he has done at Iowa state is still impressive. Um, is it impressive enough? Is it more impressive than what Luke Fuchel did at Cincinnati sort of rebuilding from what Tommy Tuberville? Uh, I don't know. I don't know I don't if know it either. is, um, but you know, the guy's beaten Oklahoma, um, multiple that's, times. That's He's seen every team in the big 12. That is significant, you know, and then beyond that, you know, we put, we'll have a list together. That, I mean, there are other candidates on there, but I don't. If if this went outside of Fickle, Campbell, Freeman, I would be pretty surprised. Um, yeah, I would too. At least this late in the game, yeah. I think Dave Clawson would be an excellent fit. He also just signed a, a long term contract extension on Friday. Um, Dave Clawson to me reminds me a lot of Brian Kelly. Not personality wise, not so much, but. He is a Northeast guy. He is great to deal with as far as media donors. He's raised a ton of money everywhere he's been. He has taken jobs big and small and built them from the ground up and has a proven formula and track record for for success and has Wake freaking Forest on the doorstep of of, uh, an ACC title in New Year's Six game. That's not small potatoes, but for as much as we just talked about the money, the the math probably won't work on that one. Jeff Halfley, I think, might be a year away. He also signed an extension today. Um, so I yeah. don't know if that is realistic. Um, Clark Lee, if he was in Freeman's boat right now, would probably have a chance. Yeah. Oh, I mean, um, if he was here, I bet he would already have been named the interim head coach. Yeah. I mean, the timing's unfortunate with that one, but it's not like he's got – I mean, he's, he's got a good job now. It's not like he's toiling somewhere. He's right. an SEC head coach. Um Pat Fitzgerald is a guy I know Jack Swarbrick has been very fond of, who I think, frankly, everyone in college sports has been very fond of. He's always been the – like before Notre Dame was winning, I guess, at the level they're at right now, they're posting 10-win seasons every single year, competing for playoff birds pretty much every single year. Um, he always seemed like the prototypical guy, right? Like the ultimate blend of academics and athletics. Like mm-hmm. I feel like when his name was out there, it wasn't – out there as far as like who's a national championship coach we can get it's who's a coach that can successfully run this program that we can get and i don't think they can get him i don't think he'll leave but he also just signed he just signed a 10-year extension in january right he is wanted forever to get an upgrade to ryan field and they finally okayed that at 480 million dollars 
Um, he also just went three and nine this year. So his stock isn't exactly no blazing um, three years after going three and nine again. It just is. Um, well, and they, well, it's every other year with them. It was division right. title three, nine division title. Three, that, to me that like, that does not cut it here at all. That that's if, if you said we had a list of Fitzgerald Campbell, fickle Freeman, I know you, you would put uh Cristobal on the list for us as well. Yeah. We, we could talk about him. I don't think he's, but gonna, I would just say yeah. like, Fitz would be fifth on that list. Um, mm. I just, I get it. And there are people on the staff that think incredibly highly yes. of him. Like, and I'm not saying he is a bad coach by any means because Northwestern is really difficult. Um, but if we're talking about Notre Dame, are you, if Notre Dame, if you're going to go for it, if you're going to try to actually win a national championship, to me, Fitzgerald would not be the guy I would go with. Yeah, but I, I don't know who is that guy. There's no sure thing. They're great. No, there's, but there's not. not there's, they're not getting Lincoln are, Riley. You know what I mean? There are no like, sure things. I I liked Fitzgerald when Weiss got fired, or or before Weiss got hired. Back then, when you're like, okay, can this guy build? Is this guy responsible? Is this guy a good fit for your program and your institution? Fitzgerald checks all of those boxes. But Notre Dame doesn't need a program builder anymore. Right. They need a guy to like pour gas on the fire and take it to the next level. Um, in, in the same vein as like, I'm sure Brian Kelly and his supporters wanted to see what he could do without the restriction of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I would like to see what Pat Fitzgerald could do without the restrictions of Northwestern because it's a lot stricter and tougher to get kids in there than is Notre Dame. I know no one wants to hear True. that, but they literally had Notre Dame literally had a graduate transfer a couple of years ago who got denied admission to Northwestern as a graduate transfer with an Notre Dame undergraduate degree. They have trouble hiring GAs there because they need to qualify academically to enroll in classes there. Um, it is, it's an interesting place to, to, to put it mildly. Um, and there's always a lot of smoke with Fitzgerald with the NFL. I, I could see Chicago bears because he's a Chicago guy. And I think that's probably the one job yeah. he truly desires. Um, but I would like to see him like this, the same way we talk about complacency with Brian Kelly, I mean, I think you could use that parallel of Fitz with, you know, frankly, some of his staff hires over the years and, and you know, his his resistance to change because he doesn't have to because especially now without Jim Phillips there, he's not answering right. to anyone other than Pat Ryan who loves him, uh, the, the mega donor there. So I would be curious to see what he would do with the Notre Dame. Um, I'm not saying he's my top choice by any stretch of the imagination. And again, I don't think he would take it. And I, again, I don't think it's possible given that he just signed a 10 year extension. But then again, if we're going to go by who's has, or hasn't signed an extension and let's come back to that real quick. Um, Cause I talked to someone close to Brian uh, Kelly tonight who essentially said like, I think the guy just wanted to be wanted. Not that he wasn't at Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's administration, you know, Kelly signed through, I think, 2024, if I'm not mistaken. And, right? I feel like that feels right to me. I think it's 24. Um, The market is evolving so quickly, and I'm not saying you need to panic and give him a blank check or whatever it is. But, like, again, his name came up a lot. Not always from credible sources, but enough to the point where he had to get up there at a press conference and answer questions about it. And... You know, whether there was anything from Notre Dame saying, don't worry, we got you. Like, we've got a, a deal drawn up. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I don't know. 
Uh, but there was definitely a sense from Kelly's camp that like, you know, you can't just be asleep at the wheel like this. Like you need to, like if Mel Tucker's making 95 freaking million dollars after his <laughs> first winning season as an FBS head coach, you need to at least acknowledge what I'm doing here. Yeah. Notre Dame at least beat Purdue. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I, the, the wanting to be wanted, I think is a very real thing. Um, and that's and with everybody. That's, not yeah, that's with everybody. Out. Um, but I don't, I think that Notre Dame doesn't do a good job of that by and large. Mm. Like N- Notre Dame is much more of like, there's a joke for people that work at Notre Dame that you pay the Notre Dame tax. You, t- you take less to work there because it's the honor of working at Notre Dame. I'm not saying that's in athletics. I'm just saying it's the university at large. Um, but I think that's, that's the culture there. Like working at Notre Dame is a bit of a privilege. That's, that's not how college football operates anymore nor has it for quite some time, I would argue, but that's, um, that's, there's a reactiveness, not a proactiveness to, to that kind of things. Like, and it's like what we talked about earlier, Notre Dame can get ahead of so many things financially because it is freaking Notre Dame. They have the finances to do it. Um, that I'll be curious to see where they go from here. If this is acknowledgement that they're behind or it's a completely push back on Brian Kelly is a, kind of money grubbing head coach who is just out in it for himself, which who knows? I mean, both of those things could have some elements of truth to them. Well, that, that that's what happened when, when Mike Elston left, right? Notre Dame painted a picture of Elko. Oh, Elko. I'm sorry. Jeez. <laughs> it's, it's one AM and I haven't slept. I think I've got three hours of sleep over the last yeah. 72 hours, but this is what I signed up for. It's a fun yeah. job. I, I seriously, this is real. This is the first time in my, I mean, you've been through this a lot. This is the first Notre Dame coaching search I've ever been a part of. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a it, while. It's just crazy. Like I remember I'm like, we're rushing leaving dinner. Cause I'm like, we gotta get this to go. I gotta go like, sorry. And I'm yeah. just like, Katie, sorry. Like this literally has never happened to me. And I've covered some crazy shit at Notre Dame. As we all know, I've not had to deal with one of these yet. So I know go home yeah. and eat a frozen dinner and I, the, yeah, um, the last coaching search, I didn't have kids. This coaching search, my daughter's offering me a margarita. Yeah. And I'm apologizing to mine for not seeing Santa and Christmas trees, but we'll get there. Um, well, oh, Mike Elko. Sorry. As we were saying, yeah. um, when Elko left after a year to go to Texas AM, most ND folks on that as well. Like we gave him multiple offers. We, we, you know, yes. At the end of the day, he chose the money, yada, yada, yada. Again, you know, paraphrasing here um after conversations with elko side not long after that it was no we were promised a three-year extension and we went to sign and it was a one-year extension and at that point in time brian kelly's only a year removed from four and eight they just had the meltdown against miami and stanford and jimbo fisher just got a 10-year guaranteed contract at texas a&m and it became a pretty easy choice as far as job security and again reasonable minds can disagree on you know, what he should have chosen. And I think the fact that, you know, Clark Lee, his protege got a head coaching job in the SEC before him um, probably is, is, you know, a, a strike in Notre Dame's favor, if you will. But, you know, there, there are two sides to every story when it comes to situations like this. And um, we've already been the recipients of a lot of, um, I wouldn't say spin, but personal perspective from yes. multiple people. Narrative multiple building, if you yes. will. So Pete and I are going to try, if our brains are still functioning, to like piece this together. I'm 
drinking whatever, literally the only beer that I found left in my fridge. I don't even know if it's still any good. Charlatan American pale ale, but honestly drink them if you got them because it's been that kind of, that kind of night and it's going to be that kind of week. Um, it's, 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 it's not getting any better. Bob Stoops is unavailable, by the way. Um, you yeah, know, the, the, the most popular Notre Dame rumor guy. Yeah, it's uh, coach again. <laughs> the uh, yeah, post previous Notre Dame coaching rumors: John Gruden probably not oh. in the mix. Urban Meyer also not no, available, no. and then yeah, Bob Stoops. But, is... By the way, here's here's a question for you: Who is more disappointed in their protege this weekend, Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley for leaving, or Urban Meyer and Ryan Day for losing to Michigan? <laughs> Who it's probably Urban Meyer. Yeah, because Urban seems easy to disappoint. <laughs> yes. This is a perpetual state of disappointment. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure if I have anything else tonight for you. Um, I hope not. listeners, um, Matt, I don't know if you have either. I'm going to make a few more calls because I'm I'm still on the West Coast. So it's only 1019 where I am. Oh, you finish up this recording. Shoot, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a different part of your house right now. Nope. I got a few. <laughs> yes. No, it's definitely not as nice. Uh, it's definitely a lot nicer in my house. So, yeah, it's drive, drive um, down. Drive down to Modern Day and see if you can catch Brian Kelly um, getting on that early morning flight to South Bend tomorrow. Hop on it with him if you will. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to do sort of the go out recruiting with Brian Kelly story. I just didn't think I was going to be doing it in uh, Punchatoula. Our, our, so. our buddy Brody Miller, our LC writer, our excellent LC writer, will uh, get the beneficiary. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what once like the the honeymoon phase is over and like. It's year two, year three. How much more of a human being Brian Kelly is down there? Yeah. I mean, does he sort of get back to the way he was at Notre Dame towards the end when he was, you know, very relaxed? Like, he was a great head Not coach relaxed, to deal with just like, from a press, coast, press conference I, point of view. He was interesting in that regard, but he was very distant. He never really did anything, yeah. and, and you never really got to know him. And, again, that's fine, but especially, you know, when we did the, the series on him when he beat the wins record, I remember just – going I, I did a story on 105 facts about him and i was going through everything anyone and myself had ever written about him going back to the grand valley days and like you know before he got established in Notre Dame, like brian kelly was like you know he wasn't pj fleck or jeff collins but like he was like rah rah salesman i gotta yep. do everything i can to draw attention to my my players and program and the minute he got to a place like Notre Dame and started having some success that went away probably for the better for him, but I will be curious now away from a place like Notre Dame, um, what he'll be like coach Ed Odron is available by the way, as, as long as we're talking. Yeah. About also Catholic. Um, so uh, got to start there. Oh, so many bad ideas we have. There's a lot of oh boy. There's yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Um, All right. With Mullen <laughs> on that note. Um, yeah, we will have a list of candidates tomorrow that we've talked through already. It's out. On, it's up Shamrock. right now. Perfect. Uh, and plenty of stuff on the athletic on this most unexpected coaching search that Notre Dame definitely didn't see coming. Matt and I didn't see coming. Um, and then, you know, kind of really takes the bloom off the rose of any college football playoff talk from here on out. Oh, well, it makes it even more intriguing because like, yeah, I mean, coach thinking, look, I grew up in Michigan. I remember the Steve Fisher um, oh, taking yeah. over Michigan yeah. basketball on an interim basis. They, they win Michigan the NCAA tournament, coach, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So who knows? Maybe there's some, uh, some possibility at that. I mean, can you imagine interim coach Marcus Friedman leading Notre Dame to a national championship and, then he, and what would become of that? 
Yeah, he gets a statue, which would be hilarious because Brian Kelly doesn't get one after 12 years and Marcus Freeman, Brian Pulley, Mike Elson, whoever it is that leads them through these next couple of weeks, at least is in possession to get bronze like that. And um, boy, wouldn't that be something? That would be something. Uh, and we'll be here to write about it and chat about it on the on the Shamrock. So until our next episode, which I don't know be, when that's going to be, might be tomorrow, might be, <laughs> might be tomorrow, uh, might be recorded before you listen to this one. Um, he's Matt Fortuna in Chicago. I'm Pete Sampson still in California for another 12 hours or so. Uh, we will be back with you shortly as as the news warrants here on the Shamrock. Thanks for being with us on this emergency pod. And uh, yeah, we will chat with you soon. Yeah.